If you would, turn the Bible to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. I will admit that parenting is so very hard. It's a big task. It is a God-given responsibility, and at times it is very frustrating, as you all know. I will admit that I have been nervous as can be for years now uh, with a growing church, knowing that this is stuff that we need to be teaching. And us four pastors have talked about this so many times, and it seems like uh, Matt and I have been talking for years about us uh, getting going with this, um, but we've just been nervous and hesitant about it. But now is the time with a growing church and families for us to get into the Word of God and to understand what God teaches about parenting. We would be failing if we were not doing this. With all the challenges that parenting presents us, um, I do want to say that I absolutely love being a dad. Being a dad is so rewarding and there's so much joy in it. Yesterday, the sun came out and it felt great and we were wearing shorts and t-shirts for a little bit and so we pulled out the little bike pump and aired up all the tires of seven bikes and went, through, went for a family bike ride throughout Fairdale. We absolutely love it, love doing that, love having everybody together. Um, things like that are so special and meaningful, and if the sun comes out and it warms up enough in February to do that, as long as you get it in before the Carolina Duke game, you go for a bike ride together, okay? And we did that, and it was awesome. And being a parent and being a dad is such a gift from God. But it is important, it is so incredibly important for us to bring ourselves into the word of God and submit ourselves before it and to ask God to make us godly parents. Read with me, if you will, the first four verses of Proverbs 3. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace, they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. What an incredible group of verses. What a discussion on family and parenting and, and honestly, father to son here. This is metaphorical. This is God saying he's teaching his children this wisdom that comes out of Proverbs. Yet God in his great wisdom frames it in the, in the setting of a dad teaching his sons because we can really picture that. We can picture a man or even a father figure imparting wisdom and instruction to his younger one. We can picture that right now. Can't tell you how many times I've been in the yard with my boys and had to instruct them on how to pull start a lawnmower, right? If you don't get it right, sometimes it rips out of your hands and the worst thing ever is for that string to break on a, on a pull start mower. If you don't pull it like snap enough, you won't ever get it started. And they're pulling hard, but it's that big, long, drawn out pull, so that won't get it either. You can picture a dad teaching his son some things or, a, or just a man teaching a boy some things. And this, because it is so helpful to see it that way, is the way God has presented it to us in the book of Proverbs. It, it really is masterful. 
God teaching people wisdom through a father-son conversation. Also, the subjects that come up here in these few verses, which I'm going to talk about a lot more later in this message, are all the things that you and everybody outside of here longs for in their family. That's the big obvious that I think is just the hammer hitting the nail on the head. Believer, non-believer, Christian, non-churchgoer, atheist, faithful, no matter what, these subjects here, peace, length of days, steadfast love, faithfulness, on your heart, favor and good reputation in the sight of God and man. I don't care who you are, where you're from. That's what you're going for. That's what every mom wishes for her child. And it is God who has written this. It is God who gives this to us. Church, I want to be very careful here, and I I do aim to always be so guarded, but the word of God is so, so good for us. And in the area of parenting, the word of God is so, so good for us. Contrary to what the foolish opponents to the word of God may say, and and this is what I mean by being guarded, I'm not using the word foolish here flippantly or loosely. I'm using the word foolish here very specifically Because the Bible says the person that does not believe God, does not honor God, ignores God, is being foolish. Contrary to what the foolish opponents to the word of God say, the word of God is the most important thing in parenting. So our church is going to go there. I'm excited about us putting this much emphasis on it. Two Sunday nights ago, Pastor Matt McBroom preached a Sunday night sermon on stewardship. We actually did stewardship on several topics, but he preached on the stewardship of the family. And stewardship of family is a great way to put it, the responsibility of having that. If you want to go back and listen to that, that's available online. That will be very, very helpful to you. This morning, we're going to talk about parenting here from Proverbs 3, and I want to really more so introduce or get us going on thinking through this. And then tonight, we're going to look at parenting and every Sunday night in February. We want you to hear right now. You can call, text, email, stop by, write, drop a note, whatever you want to do. We want to hear any question you have. Let us know what you're dealing with on parenting so that we can answer those on the Sunday nights, and we will. And the very final night of February, the last Sunday in February, we will have a whole time of question and answer with the four pastors here because we really, really, really want to help our our church people think through what God teaches here. This morning, though, we're looking at Proverbs 3, and I'm saying what it says here in the bulletin is that God uses parents to shape kids. Pretty simple, pretty accurate, but before we get going, let me just say a couple things. Please don't tune me out here. The first thing, we do not want to teach on parenting in such a way that you feel bad for all the things that you're not doing. We don't want that to be the case. We don't want people to come to church and not like it. We don't want people to come to church and just feel like the biggest failures in the world, right? 
Now, we're not afraid to step on toes. We're not afraid to call out what God says is wrong. We're not afraid to preach the word for what it says. But at the same time, this is not a here tear you down, okay? This is not. We don't want it to be that way. Another thing is we don't want to teach in such a way that we minimize parenting into a clean, simple list of do's and don'ts. Oh, I hope that that is not what happens today and tomorrow or whatever. If you will just do this, then everything's going to be okay. No, 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 no. Parenting is hard. Parenting is complicated. And quite frankly, it takes the Lord's grace working through it to even have any shot at all, okay? We're not here to give you a, a list of things to do to make it all go well. We know better than that. Another thing, we are not the experts. This is what I meant by being so nervous about this. My oldest is 16. I'm still trying to figure this out. I don't have any grandkids. I've sent nobody to college, right? We, 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 we are not the experts here. We are not here to tell you all that we have done well. We are not here to tell you uh, how to follow us and everything go just great. Not at all. We are here as your pastors, shepherds, we are here to show you what the, God, what, what, what the word of God says about parenting. These messages, I hope, and we have been praying, are meant to encourage you in your responsibilities with your family, with your kids, and with your grandkids. Parenting now is absolutely a grandparenting thing, and we are all aware of that. God's word is the key to life. God's word is the guide. It is the light upon our path. It is the wisdom that we all need. And so we are going to spend now several Sundays looking at what God's word says about parenting. Another thing, we know that all homes and families and settings and contexts are different. We know that. We know that not every home has a, a mom and dad. We know that not every home has a believing mom and dad. We know that not every home has church-going mom and dad. We, we know that. So every situation is a little bit different, okay? We understand that. We understand that what, what, what may be going on here may not be what's going on here. We, we know that. And the goal in this is to take you, the believer, the person that shows up to church, and to get the powerful word of God into your heart and mind on what God says about it. And that will be so beneficial. Okay, more before we get going, all right? There are three that I think common mistakes in parenting. Three common mistakes in parenting. This is before we get going, all right? There are lots of parents out there, church-going or Christian parents, that their strategy is we're gonna raise them how we were raised. That's a mistake, okay? And we use this phrase, well, I turned out all right. I like that. I like that. But that's not the goal. We don't want to settle to that. We, want our, we don't want our expectations to be there. And I think every mom and dad feels that, right? The goal is not to, to be like you. The goal is to be like Jesus. The goal is to love God and honor him in every way. And for as much as I'm proud of my upbringing and, 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 and I honor my parents for how they raised me, I don't want my kids to be just like me. I want my kids to be who God wants them to be for his glory. I want the truth to be inside of them. The worst thing that we can do, kids, or parents, sorry. The worst thing we can do, parents, is put the pressure on our kids to live up to us. We don't want to do that. So our goal in parenting, a common mistake, is to do it how we were raised. We, are aim we want you to aim to follow God completely. 
Trusting in his word. That's the first mistake. Second mistake is hope for the best with no plan. This is bad, y'all, really bad. No plan, no strategy, not good. If you think, hey, we're just gonna do whatever and see, hope the kids turn out all right, that ain't gonna go well. That's not gonna go well. If you have no focus, no intention, no plan or strategy, no commitment, no discipline, no, no, no rules, no standards, it is not going to work out well for you. That's a common mistake. And then lastly, number three, a common mistake in parenting is looking at how others do it. Now, example and encouragement, absolutely, but I'm talking about, as you know, the comparison game. Well, here's what they do, so I'm gonna try to do that. This is not the strategy. This puts us in situations um, that are not healthy. This puts us uh, in trying to be like others when we're not like others. Every mom is different and every dad is different and every relationship is different. Don't try to compare yourself to somebody else. Everybody's schedule is different, right? Some, some dads work third shift, right? So they're not, maybe they're not home to put the kids to bed. You see what I'm saying? Everybody's story's a little bit different, okay? Everybody's setting is a little bit different. Don't do the comparison game. Don't just look at what others are doing to follow them. That's not the goal. The goal is to seek God, honor God, follow God. Do your best by faith to do what God teaches you to do. Do not compare yourselves to others. That will discourage you in parenting. Jesus Christ died on the cross for our young people. And it is our heart's desire that they would trust in him. Jesus died to forgive people of their sins. And young people sin like old people do. And the Bible says that God is ready to forgive, quick to forgive for all who would trust in Christ. It is our desire to be faithful to God that parents would do the whole aspect of loving and raising and spending time with and devoting themselves in parenting so that their children would see and believe in Jesus, so that their kids would be convinced that Christ really is the way, the truth, and the life, so that the kids would want to be followers of Christ because that is so good for them. He is what satisfies them. And in our parenting, we want our kids to trust in Christ. So with all of that said, let's get back to Proverbs chapter three. And I've got three points for you this morning. For kids, if you're using a listening page, here's number one. Number one, kids are a gift from God. We cannot teach this enough. This was the whole idea behind what Matt said about uh, being a good steward of the family. Kids come from God. The reason why the book of Proverbs can speak about the family in this way is because they have been given to us. This isn't like, well, if you decide to care about your kids and teach them, here's how you should do it. Well, if you like your kids and they're really cute and fun to be around, here's how you should do it. That is not the way you think about parenting. It almost sounds comical to say it that way, right? The responsibility is they are your kids. God gave them to you. Now, I want to be real care careful here, but listen. Just because people may not want their kids 
or people may not want kids, or people aren't ready for kids, or they're not in the position of life to have kids, doesn't mean that God doesn't give kids. You can't, you can't do that. You can't be certain that God's the one that gives kids, but later you find yourself not ready to have kids, and so then backtrack on God didn't give me those kids. No, both of those things can be true. We should take more seriously how you get kids, and there are a whole lot of people that don't take that serious at all. Y'all know what it takes to get kids, and you should be careful with that. That is not something to play around with. If you do it, you might get kids. But that doesn't mean God didn't give those kids. Regardless of what the situation is, it doesn't mean that God didn't give those kids. God makes kids. We have to believe that. We have to take that seriously. Now, it also means that there's a whole world of figuring out if somebody that didn't want the kids ends up with kids, what are we going to do about that? And there's a whole other situation or responsibility or open door for how the church is going to handle it. And we will. And we should. But the truth remains that kids are a gift from God. And what I mean by that, or the next step in that, is this. God has given them to you. That alone just seems like, whew, that is a whole different, better perspective. They are under your watch and in your house because God gave them to you. Psalm 127 literally says that the fruit of the womb is a reward from the Lord. God has rewarded you with that child. God gives them to us, so what do we do with them? We are to love them, train them, invest in them. In short, we're to set up our whole lives to be able to take care of them. I don't mean ruin your life or lose your life or make your life miserable, but I do mean, okay, make adjustments to now you have these kids in your lives because that's what it means to be a parent. Ephesians 6.4 says that we are to raise them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. We are to raise them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. God has given them to us so that we would teach them about him. God has given them to us so that they would know him better. In God being a father... He gives them a father and a mother so that they would understand their heavenly father. Their heavenly father is not visible. He's not walking around right here. He's a spirit that is unseen. And God has so designed it that the children in your life would understand their father in heaven accurately through their mother and father that they have here. If we are in that position, we ought to see that and care about that and so proceed. And in every way that that's not possible because of a a parent absent or because of parents absent, then by the grace of God, we hope that somebody else will step up 
father figures and coaches and neighbors and grandparents and bigger siblings and all of that, but that somebody would step in and so model the love of God and provision that God gives in the world for them. Somebody needs to teach a younger person what God in all of his goodness is like. The Bible teaches us that it starts with the parents. Kids are a gift from God. Kids are a blessing. This morning as I was uh, walking through downstairs, as Sunday school was getting started, I, I didn't, all I had was a banana this morning, so I had to go search to see who brought the donuts this morning, and I found them finally in one class. And as I was eating a donut down there before Sunday school got started, I looked over and Little Benjamin Herod was up on the counter all by himself. I was so afraid he was about to roll off. And Dad Chris was over there strapping on the the thing that you carry the kid with. And I said, Chris, what if Benjamin falls off? That's a sign that I'm getting old because, Chris, when I was in my 20s, I probably would have done that too. But little Benjamin's just there staring at his dad the whole time, kicking and cooing and laughing and He wasn't about to fall off. He was locked in on his dad. He was ready for a nap, right? He's ready to go to sleep. And in that moment, everybody who sees that thinks, man, kids are so cool. A small little life, a human being there, literally could roll off the counter. But he's just laying there happy, dependent as can be on his dad. God gives us those kids that we would teach them. Over the years, we've done a lot of weddings, and I'm starting to see a trend with weddings, okay? In weddings, you got the wedding party, you got the bridesmaids and the groomsmen, and there's a couple other pieces, right? Flower girls and ring bearers, right? And there's something that started happening in weddings. They, they all have a ring bearer, but nobody anymore lets them bear the ring. Did, have y'all, did y'all know that? That's a fake. It's just for cuteness now, Okay. Nobody carries the ring. They still carry like a little thing that looks like it's got a ring in it, and they get all the way down here, and then they don't have it, okay? And you can can figure out why. Rings have gotten so big and so nice and so expensive that we're not going to trust this little kid with it. And so what happens at uh, at rehearsal is I'll have to say, okay, who's going to have the rings tomorrow? And normally what happens is it's like, Is the ring bearer going to have it? No way. Ain't no way, okay? And then I look over to these rough bunch of groomsmen. I'm like, which one of y'all going to carry it? And they're all going, no, not me. Don't give it to me. I I won't even remember my belt tomorrow, all right? Don't give me the ring. And finally, maybe the groom, if he's really got it together, but it's usually the bride says, I'll make sure it gets here. And you kind of get where I'm going with this illustration, right? This is so important, to the bride that she's going to take care of. Ring bearer, maybe not. Groomsman, maybe not, right? Not his wedding, not his ring. But this is so important to the bride. She will see to it that the ring makes it to the ceremony. Church, I want to say to us in parenting that if God made that kid and God has given that kid to us, that you and I would say, I see how important this is. Kids are a gift from God. May you resolve today with Holy Spirit power and unction that you will take care of them.
That's number one, kids are a gift from God. Number two, it is our responsibility to teach our kids. It is. It is our responsibility to teach our kids a God-given responsibility, something that you must stand back, look at, analyze. What am I going to teach them? How am I going to teach them? What all do I need to teach them? And then proceed on trying to do that. Again, this is not necessarily easy. It does take a lifetime. It does take a time. It does take a long time. It does take a lot of effort. This is what Matt did so well of when he preached on the stewardship of the family, that these are the priorities of teaching our kids. Tony Evans says it very clearly when he says, parents are to be the dominant moral influencers and instructors of children. That's just the way it goes. Parents have such influence in their kids' lives. Parents are to be the dominant moral influencers and instructors of their children. Parents must teach their kids. It's our responsibility to teach our kids. And that that takes a lot. If you've got a kid that's about to start driving, if you've got a kid that's been driving for a year or two, they're new at it, have you told them that the oil has to be changed regularly? Don't you have to teach them that? I mean, how foolish would you be to get them a car, whether you spend $500 on a car or whether you got it like that to spend $25,000 on a car, right? How $25,000 ain't new. Don't act like that sounded like a lot. That ain't even a new car. I understand However you've got it, though, if you spent money to get them in a car and you're so proud of them and they don't text when they drive and they do buckle up and you've even put them in position to where they work enough to buy their own gas, what if you don't tell them that the car needs oil? Won't that come back to bite you? Won't that be so bad if one day like that it won't start? Well, let's look at it, and it's empty of oil? Wouldn't that be so bad? And so in that example, you see that, yes, we've got to teach our kids so many things. What about holding the door for the lady on their first date? What about forgiveness? What about when somebody does you wrong? And you've got to navigate going to school the next day hurt. What about when they need forgiveness? Because they've done somebody wrong. And they've got to go to school the next day guilty. Because they did somebody wrong. Have y'all talked about that? What about even bigger than that? When your child feels like they know they've sinned against God. When your kid wrestles with, I've made mistakes in life. I've disobeyed at this point or that point. And knowing what it means to be loved by a God that sent Christ to deal with that sin. That the cross of Christ 
was for our sins. This isn't some like abstract thought that never gets specific and detailed. No, this is, I talk behind the back of my best friend and now they don't want to talk to me anymore. This is, I was dating her and I didn't keep my heart guarded and I went too far and we sinned and now we both feel terrible about it. How do you deal with that? You have to talk about a great God who knows that we sin in those ways and those types of ways and so many other ways, but loves us still and is a God of mercy, slow to anger, and offers forgiveness through his son who died on the cross to give us newness of life, to forgive us and wash us clean. And God raised him up to show, I'm serious about it. And your sin ain't going to stop my love for you through Christ. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. According to Romans 8. If you trust in Christ Jesus. Have you talked about these things? We have a responsibility to do this. We have a responsibility to teach our kids. I want to show you a really practical example of this. Turn with me. Stay in Proverbs, but turn with me to Proverbs 31. Proverbs 31. Now, when I say that, y'all all start thinking we're talking about the virtuous woman because that's what this passage is, right? Proverbs 31, starting in verse 10, is this awesome passage about what a godly woman looks like. And I know it's 2024, and there's probably ladies here today that think, I don't want to hear you talk about Proverbs 31 because that ain't exactly me. I know that, right? There's a lot of cynicism these days about it. But Proverbs 31 is an awesome passage that we want to model ourselves after because uh, this is a good godly woman, an excellent wife that loves her kids and loves her husband husband and we love this passage but that's not what we're talking about here because before she starts to talk about that in verse 10 we get nine verses of the mother teaching her son even more specifically look at this proverbs 31 starting in verse 1 the words of king lemuel an oracle that his mother taught him wow Talk about the influence of a mother. Think about this. A king sitting on his throne, reigning over his kingdom, whatever that kingdom is, is now reflecting, written down on paper that God has turned in to inspired word of God. In his reign as king, he is reflecting on what his mom taught him. You think the influence of a mother isn't huge? It is massive. Mothers teach and teach and teach and teach. And if it seems like they're not getting it, keep teaching and teaching and teaching and teaching. Keep talking and keep telling and keep loving and keep sacrificing. Moms, teach, 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 teach. And may your children rise up like King Lemuel recalling this. But more specifically than just that, I want you to see what she taught. Verse 2. What are you doing, my son? What are you doing, son of my womb? What are you doing, son of my vows? I love that verse, right? That is a great verse. Three times in Proverbs 31.2, she says, son, what you doing? Son, what you doing? Son, what you doing? She's turning up the heat. She's putting the pressure on him. You're not going to be lazy. You're not going to be a bum. You're not going to waste your time. You're not going to waste your life. It, it, you sense this here. But then she gets specific. Look at these subjects. Verse 3, do not give your strength to women, your ways to those who destroy kings. In other words, King, don't let your position and your integrity to lead be taken away because you've been loose with women. Don't you give in to the temptations that you have. She's teaching him about that. 
Verse four, it's not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to take strong drink. Y'all, now she's teaching here about alcohol. A mom teaching her son wisdom of the use of alcohol. Look at verse five. Lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. Give strong drink to the one who is perishing and wine to those in bitter distress. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. Here she says, hey, there's some people out there where it'll benefit them with alcohol, but not you. You need clarity, you need focus, you need integrity, you need character, you need discipline, you need self-control, you need to be able to make decisions in tough places, you need to be able to make decisions that affect lots of people. You need to realize there's a lot of people underneath you, son. Don't you dare let alcohol get you uh, sidetracked on any of that. You need clarity, discretion, wisdom, discernment. Alcohol isn't for people in your position, she says, son. Verse eight, look at this. Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Hey, you need to speak up for certain people. There's people out there that don't have it easy, man. They're, they're in a tough spot. Everything's against them. They're suffering, they're suffering, they're struggling. They need a favor. They need somebody to have their back. They need somebody to have their side. Speak up for them. And then verse nine, open your mouth. Judge righteously defend the rights of the poor and needy. Wow. Moms, when's the last time you taught your kids about how they should be defending the rights of the poor and the needy? We gotta teach our kids. It's our responsibility to teach our kids. We could do this type of thing in the Bible a lot. There are so many great examples in the Bible of this. See, this one gets skipped over all the time. This is King Lemuel's mother before the virtuous woman stuff, one through nine of Proverbs 31, teaching him about all of these different subjects. I love it. Women, purity, alcohol, uh, defending others, caring about the poor and the needy. What a mom. What a mom. And by faith and trusting in God, You remember the passage about Timothy. Timothy, that young, awesome leader that Paul says is exemplary to the church. Timothy, a young man, is told to us by the apostle Paul that he is exemplary. He gives five subjects, faith, love, speech, conduct, and purity. Young man Timothy is an example to the church in faith, love, speech, conduct, and purity. We want people like that, right? Yes, And the Apostle Paul is the one that says he is. But we get these verses about Timothy. It says this. Second Timothy 1.5, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now, Timothy, I am sure dwells in you. A little bit later in chapter three, verse 14, Paul says about Timothy, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believe, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Timothy is the elder that he is, the man of God above reproach that he is, partly due to the way his mother and grandmother taught him the scriptures when he was a young boy. Those seeds were planted, that instruction was there, and the grace of God kicked in to cause him to grow up in it. It is our responsibility to teach our kids. Turn back to Proverbs 3. 
And at Proverbs 3, I've already pointed out those, those subjects in our, in just in our four verses here. There's so much going on there. But I, you remember I pointed out already like peace and love and faithfulness and those things. But I want you to look at chapter 2 and just show you a few things as well. In Proverbs chapter two, just listen what comes up. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, watch all this stuff now, watch this. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of the saints. Y'all, the Proverbs are showing us here that these things that we care so much about, integrity, justice, wisdom, decision-making, discernment, all of those things that you want so badly for your kids, come from the ways of God and his word. Neglecting them is not the way to get there. Pouring into them truth of God's word is. It is our responsibility to teach our kids. Now, we're a Baptist church, Southern Baptist church, and uh, we have a Baptist faith and message. This is a statement of, 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 of what our statement of faith is, all right? We, we like this. We've talked through it before. There are like, uh, let's see, 13, there are 18 different categories. God, sin, man, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, church, last things, baptism, right? This is exactly what we believe. It's, it's, it's not all that strict and narrow as far as what the Bible teaches, but it's helpful. But there's a chapter here, a big section here on the family. But I want you to hear the paragraph in the Baptist Faith and Message on the family, Children, from the moment of conception, are a blessing and heritage from the Lord. Parents are to demonstrate to their children God's pattern for marriage. Parents are to teach their children spiritual and moral values and to lead them through consistent lifestyle example and loving discipline to make choices based on biblical truth. Children are to honor and obey their parents. Church, it is our responsibility to teach our kids. Every once in a while, my kids will come home and say, Dad, was Rex Chapman any good at basketball? I'll say, man, he was so good. Yeah, he was drafted by the Charlotte Hornets in 1988 when I lived there, or close to that year. So I know a lot about Rex Chapman, even though I'm not from Kentucky. They came home just recently and said, was Muggsy Bogues any good? I said, man, he was five foot three and played in the NBA, so good. But you know what happens sometimes if somebody else hears them ask me about somebody? They'll say this, Josh, you haven't told them about Rex Chapman? You haven't told them about Muggsy Bogues? It wasn't that long ago that somebody asked Johnny Bench. My kids were like, who's Johnny Bench? And then somebody said it. You haven't told them about Johnny Bench, that great catcher for the Cincinnati Reds back in the day? I don't care if you teach them about basketball. Listen to me. It is your responsibility for them to know everything about our good God. It is your responsibility for them to know what mercy and grace and forgiveness and standards and judgment 
and taking serious law and commands and disobedience. It's your responsibility to teach them that. We are a church that want to help you with that. We do. We've got a fantastic nursery and a fantastic kids ministry team and a fantastic student ministry team. We are taking serious helping you with that. But our couple hours a week are nothing compared to what it means to grow up with you. It is your responsibility to teach your kids that the way to get eternal life is by trusting in Christ. That should be our biggest desire. Number one, kids are a gift from God. Number two, it's our responsibility to teach our kids. And lastly, it will be good for your child if we teach them well. It will be good for them. This is, and we are confident in this, this is the way God has designed it. I know that there's discouragement far and wide on parenting these days. I know there's all kinds of negativity about raising your kids in church these days because of previous generations that lost their way on it because they didn't hear that they needed to teach their kids. They thought, I need to take my kids to church. And can we just all admit right now that if your strategy is just taking them to church, it will not work I'm a pastor. I get paid by you all. Going to church is not the strategy. Going to church will set you up for a lot of headaches. Teaching them holistically on Mondays and Sundays. Teaching them about Jesus is the strategy. Loving Christ and following him is the strategy. And the Bible teaches that if we will do what God says to do by faith, we will get his blessing and his working through it. Don't forget these good terms coming out of Proverbs 3. Your heart, length of days, years of life, peace, love, faithfulness, favor, good reputation will come from the teaching of God. This isn't prosperity gospel. It is the power of God working through his people to make disciples from one generation to the next and we take this seriously. We didn't show up here today hoping that our kids don't turn out ruined. We came here today believing that the word of God is true and the Holy Spirit has power working through this. We don't have any answers. We're not the experts. We don't have a list to do this. But if we will seek the Lord and aim to do what he says, he will bless that. And the next generation will know him. The Bible says it. God will not fail. Now, it will be good for the child if we teach them well. In saying that, now's a good time for me to point out that in life, some things are taught and some things are caught, right? Some things are taught and some things are caught, which means you and I have to be aware enough to know, and Jake prayed this, it's not just what we're saying, it's also what we're doing. And at times, what we're doing has way more impact And at times, what we're saying has way more impact. There are times when you're growing up, and and it kicks in later in life, sometimes 20s, 30s, 40s. I will admit that at this stage of life, mid-40s, it seems like there isn't a day that goes by where I don't go, okay, what what would my dad do about this? That's the stage of life that I'm in, right? How would my dad think about this? What What would he do, you know? And so it kicks in at different points. But sometimes it is, yeah, I I remember that my mom would always do that. But sometimes it's, no, I'll never forget that time they said this to me. Sometimes it's what you've said, 
And sometimes it's what you've done, but the whole summary of it is it's who you are. And it will be good for your kids if you will love Jesus and follow him and then pour that into their lives. They will get that. The Bible says in Proverbs 22.6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. God means that. It's not a shot in the dark. God means that. And so I want to share with you this little illustration of bamboo. Bamboo is not the most popular tree or plant around Louisville, Kentucky, but everybody here knows what bamboo is. Bamboo is a fascinating study, and I would encourage you to just go home and Google how does bamboo grow so I can prove this point. Growing bamboo takes time and patience. If you've never heard this before, you're going to love it. It it reminds you of parenting. Giant timbers of bamboo, huge ones. In the first year, the first year, nothing happens. You don't see anything. It's there, it's under the ground, but nothing happens. In the second year, taking care of it, watering it, feeding it, nothing happens. In the third year, nothing happens. You're three years into this, and you're like, that was a waste of time. I ain't even got anything here. No shade, no growth, no plant, no fruit, no flower, no leaf, nothing. But then finally, around the fourth year, the bamboo plant that was planted takes off. It literally rockets up. Bamboo can grow a meter a day after the fourth year. Think about that. A meter's three feet, like a yard. It can grow three feet a day once it gets to the fourth year and beyond. It will grow, listen to this, to an astonishing 90 feet tall in 60 days. Three years, nothing. 60 days, 90 feet in the fourth year and beyond. That's a metaphor for parenting, folks. We are simply aiming to do what God tells us to do. And in doing that, we trust that on God's timing and in his, in his time frame, he will bring growth from it for his glory. In 2008, Val and I had our first kid, JJ. And I was so emotional about that that I wrote down this lullaby that I want to read for you all in closing. But I don't want to embarrass JJ. So what I did is I used the same lullaby for each of my kids and I just changed the name. So this one's going to be for Noah. All right? But I use this lullaby for all five of them. And I want to share it with you. This was me sitting in the, uh, we don't call them rocking chairs anymore, uh, the glider. It's me sitting in the glider holding this little baby not having a clue of what we had just gotten ourselves into, but knowing that this was the best thing ever. Hush, little Noah, don't you cry. Daddy's gonna sing you a lullaby. I hate to see you crying red-faced with tears. 
Let me tell you about us in the coming years. The joy of rearing you can make this grown man weep. And right here, my ar- right here in my arms, you can fall asleep. I'll stare at your face and kiss your chubby cheeks and watch you start to grow in the coming weeks. God gave you a great mother who takes care of you. And in love together, we will teach you what's true. Two bigger, older brothers you can look up to. You become like them. Yes, I hope you do. It's a simple lullaby about what matters in life, like trusting in God and faithfully loving your wife, like serving other people in devotion to the sword, the word of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Son, I want to teach you to throw and catch a ball, and I can hardly wait until you learn to crawl. We can walk to the park, and I can push you on the swings. I want to raise you upright so you'll appreciate things. I want to teach you about pets like cats and dogs and how to catch turtles, lizards, and frogs. I'll show you how to catch fish and how to bait a hook and how to treat a girl and how to read a book. How to play with kids and not be weak, playing outdoor games like hide and seek. I want to teach you about bruises, scars, and scabs and how to play wrestle and throw left-hand jabs. I'll teach you how to ride a bike and how to climb trees. I'll teach you about caterpillars, birds, and bees. I want to pick you up when you fall and scrape your knees, and I want to teach you how to pray and say yes, ma'am, and please. We can walk to the creek. I'll show you how to skip a rock. I'll tell you how to play sports and how to wear a jock. I want to teach you how to not get upset by jokes and how to be grateful and respect your folks. Noah, I want to teach you how to love your mom and how to read the Bible, a daily proverb and psalm. It's a simple lullaby about what matters in life, like trusting in God and faithfully loving your wife, like serving other people and devotion to the sword, the word of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Son, I want to teach you how to be a man, how to look them in the eye and firmly shake their hand, how to keep your word and always work real hard, how to pay your bills on time and how to mow the yard. I'll teach you how to keep a job and not be lazy, how to speak the truth in love and not be hazy. I want to show you how to love and how to be a friend and when to compromise and when to take a stand. How to apologize and also how to forgive. Son, these are simple lessons on how to live. And life is not easy. It can be quite hard. Keep your eyes on Christ. Don't be caught off guard. It's a simple lullaby about what matters in life, like trusting in God and faithfully loving your wife like serving other people in devotion to the sword, the word of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Proverbs chapter three says clearly, my son, do not forget my teaching. It is our responsibility under the grace of God working through us to teach our kids about our good Savior, Jesus. May God empower our church to do that. May God bless your family to do that. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for Proverbs 3, 1 through 4, and for your word working in us. We thank you, God, that there is encouragement in the truth. And I pray, God, that it would be a challenge to us to not abandon it. God, I pray that we would hear the warning of those common mistakes and then yet be encouraged to follow your word. God, give us faith and courage and strength and boldness to aim to follow you. God, help us to trust in Christ, knowing that we can't parent on our own. We need your grace. Father, to the end we pray. 
to the end we pray that we would see many young people growing up to know and love you. Please do that work through us, we ask. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. At this time we're going to